Hello and welcome to the Mind Your Leadership podcast. I'm Karen Tsuk and today I will speak with Paul N. Larson. Paul is a coach, author and an educator. As an imposter syndrome survivor, Paul has learned to take his fake and fraud voice and has successfully coached hundreds of leaders and teams to celebrate their imposter and find their voice of confidence so that they share their inspiration with others. It is the author of the award-winning coaching book, Find Your Voice as a Leader. Paul's coaching portfolio includes working with the talented global teams and leaders at Twitter, Microsoft, Electronic Arts, SAP, Cisco, and many more. Today we will speak about finding our own voice and not only finding it, but also speaking it out loud. So stay with us. Paul, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you for joining. Oh, Karen, it's wonderful. It's wonderful to be here. Looking forward to our conversation. You know, you speak a lot about uh, the imposter syndrome and finding your own voice. You wrote the book, Find Your Voice as a Leader. Mm -hmm. And it really resonated within me because I I think it's really challenging to find our own voice and not only to find our voice, but also to talk our voice. You know, so I think it's two parts. You'd be happy to hear your path and your journey. How did you get to deal with this issue? Writing a book about it, and absolutely no, Karen, you're you're spot on. I think in today's world, things are so noisy. Things get noisier each day, and we have all this incredible technology and all this incredible uh, tools to use. But it can actually add a lot of noise. And what happens is we can lose ourselves. We end up trying to be like someone else. We end up trying to speak like someone else. And you're absolutely right. And we end up not being able to identify and really find our own voice. And for me, gosh, there was that, you know, we all have defining moments in our life. And that's what our lives are made of. And my defining moment about finding my voice happened one June afternoon and I was sitting in a church and not because it's like a church, but I was in a church um, it was my it was the memorial service for my father. He had lived an w- incredible life, and we were there to pay homage to him and just respect him and so forth. So I'm sitting in this beautiful church, and people are getting up and talking about what a wonderful man he is. And of course, he was. And by the way, when you have a memorial service, that's what you want people to say about you, right? What how incredible you were. Yeah, sure. <laughs> so, and of course, I knew this because he was he was my dad, and he lived a wonderful, wonderful life, but. I'm listening to those things, Karen. And after about the sixth or seventh person hearing these wonderful attributes, I started to turn it around a little bit. And I thought, "Uh uh-oh, what are they going to say about me? What are they going to say when when I'm gone? You know, what are they going to say about Paul? And I started listening. And it was one of those moments. I'm like, it was kind of counterintuitive because I'm I'm here with my father's uh, service, but I'm making it about me. And I think there was a message there. Uh-huh. And all of a sudden it, I realized, I don't know if I've done enough in my life. I don't know if, if what I'm doing is really in alignment to what I want people to say 
that the impact I had with them. In that moment in my life, I had had an incredible journey around in the corporate world, leading different teams, um, learning so much, uh, leading HR, being the head of HR. I've had some incredible jobs. Mm -hmm. I had incredible failures. I had incredible success. But when I listened to my voice in that moment, and that voice says, Paul, you haven't done enough. You haven't done what you're meant to do. People are going to know you for you know, helping you with their terminations, helping you with restructuring organization, helping with hiring lots of people. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've done a great job with all that, but I want to be known more for helping people find their potential, helping people find their heart, helping people find their voice. I'm sitting there, all this is happening in just a matter of minutes. And I wanted to jump up like in this church and like, thank you, dad. Thank you, dad. And I just, I just lit up with a smile on my face instead. And later on, I was talking to my sister about the experience and she says, oh, she says, I think that was a message from dad. I think, I think he spoke to you in that moment and said, yeah. And that was it for me. And I took some steps then I was at, had a wonderful job at Adobe and, but I took some steps after that to say, okay, I'm now going to finesse sort of what I do pivot. If I over, you know, we use that word a lot now and go out and try to do something else and go out and really kind of find my voice in the world. Wasn't quite sure what that was, but I took the necessary steps and structure to leave Adobe and go out and put myself out in the world. And that's what happened in 2009. Wow, amazing. So when he talked, it resonated within me that I also was in a funeral of a father of a colleague. And I was also listening to what they were talking about him. And I also asked myself questions. What's important for me? What I want? It's amazing. You know, it's a defining moment, I think, when you think, yes, how do I want to get to the end of life? What's really important for me? What are my values? Do I live my values? Amazing story. And I think it's really a crucial uh, time when we can reflect and say, okay, And another thing, what I hear you say, it's interesting because you said, I actually didn't know what was my voice, but I felt that I'm not accurate with myself. I felt I'm not in the right place. So you had the courage to create space in your life. You went to uncertain times, right? You, You didn't know. You're absolutely right. You know, I look back on that now and it's like, what did you do? And this was 2009, and we had gone just kind of like we had gone through an economic kind of recession, and we were still in it, and everything kind of blew up, housing markets and everything else. And I just said, I had a wonderful job. You want to talk about the hierarchy of needs. I had all that plus more. And I just said, you know, I think I need to go over here where I have to build that myself. And you're absolutely right. But I knew, here's what I did, Karen. I said to myself, and this is what I do as a coach. So this was a lot of self-coaching along with who I, the coach I have as well. What's the worst that can happen? Okay. What's the really worst I can, if I prepare for this, I don't just go out, you know, people say, go find your passion, but you know, we have to eat too. So if I just go out and, and I have all this preparation, what's the worst that can happen? I said, okay, Paul, the worst that can happen is you fail. And you learn from that. And if you don't succeed, you can always go get a job. If you're okay, just going back and getting a job and I can get a job at Walmart or Starbucks, or I could go do anything. I'm capable in that way. If not, if not other, other capabilities. And I said, I could live with that. 
So I put the sort of that kind of worst case scenario, because mm-hmm. when we fail at something, it's usually our ego that is worse than anything else that happens out there. That is worse than anything people say, but it's our ego. And I said to myself, eh, I can deal with that. Uh, my ego has been shot down so many times, which has been wonderful because it allows me to really dilute the ego and not lead with that. So I was able to do that. And that's that's what I did. I think it's a great uh, practical tool for people who want to create change in their lives and they don't know how to do it. So first of all, I think on the, the worst case scenario, what can be, and then yeah. go backwards and have the courage to change. Because if we can see the worst case scenario, we can take baby steps forward. Otherwise, if we don't figure it out, it will, can be in a freeze situation. And to that point, the worst case scenario is usually not the worst. You know, the biggest cause of stress is this up here. The biggest mind. cause of stress is our mind. It's a, you know, it's what goes on up here. It, it's our, it's our brain. It's what goes up in all that we think about our thoughts, right? And so we create these stories of worst case scenarios that very seldom end up being really worst case. So I think that for me, that laid a path mm-hmm. of curiosity. One of the wonderful ways of, of kind of, I like to call our sage powers um, is curiosity, that explorer to go out and say, hey, you know, I'm going to find out some things. I don't have everything figured out, but I trust myself enough mm-hmm. to kind of figure it out as I go along. Hey, this was 2009. I was not a young pup at that point. I figured out, I figured it out so much to this degree, I can figure it out from here. So I built that trust and kind of confidence with myself at that point and just took that leap. Or actually, it wasn't even a leap. It was just a step, actually. So it's amazing because you spoke before, I forgot to say, what resonated within me, it's the fact that you trusted yourself and the path, because I think it's a crucial element in order to create change in our life, because if we won't trust ourselves, we won't take the sleep, because there's right. leap of faith. So when you coach people and work with the leaders and managers, how do you help them gain faith in themselves? Because I think a lot of people don't believe in themselves, right? I don't right. know, this is my feeling. Because, you know, I'm talking also from my personal experience. It took me a while in my journey to believe in myself and to trust myself. I think it's a process. It's not, maybe we're born with it, but then we get tools, <laughs> right? And then we need like an onion to take the leaf off. Well, you know, you bring up a really, first of all, that's an incredible question. It's very insightful. And you bring up an incredible, incredible framework. Are we born with it? And what happens in our childhood? So when I think about children, right, children kind of have a belief. They just kind of go out and do things. They just kind of go out and they try things. They go out, they ask why a lot. They just go out and they're going to figure stuff out. But then as we evolve, you know, as we evolve as young adults and then and certainly into adulthood, something changes in us. You know, we sometimes lose that curiosity. We sometimes lose that confidence. We sometimes lose that ability to continue to believe in ourselves. I mean, I'm, I remember as a kid, it was like, I don't know what I'm going to do today, but I'll figure it out and I'll figure it out with my friends or whatever we do or school. And yes, we get setbacks and everything, but you just kind of continue on. As adults, we tend to be, to your point, tend to be more tentative. And then we tend to listen to others. And that's where the imposter syndrome comes in because the, our imposter voice loves to, loves to say, 
oh, you're a fake. What are you doing? You don't belong here. You don't, you shouldn't be on this podcast talking to someone as experienced as, as Karen. My gosh, she has a PhD. What are you doing on this podcast talking to her? You know, Paul, you're really a fraud. You are really a fraud. And people are going to find that out if you go on that podcast and you start talking. That's what our imposter voice does. And it begins to evolve and develop in our adulthood, or maybe even young adulthood, because it's very rampant in colleges and universities where where kids kind of come together for the first time, you know, in that sort of experience. And then if we don't do something around it, or we don't acknowledge it or become aware of it, it can overtake us to where we get stuck. And we just remain stuck where we are. So I agree with you. I I think as kids, we are born and we are really present. I see my daughter, she's present she feels angry, she said she's crying, she continues on. She's not in her mind so much. I think as adults, we are in our hearts in order not to be vulnerable and not yeah. to be hurt. And we're going to our thinking mind and we are listening to other people. And then we start thinking, what do they think about me? How do I look right now? Is it okay to ask this question? Will they think I'm stupid? So we're actually making a buffer between ourselves. And then this, yeah. I think the disconnection that we lose our voice. And we embrace other voices, right? Yeah. Well, and to your point, as we were talking earlier, that's what social media has done on steroids is created all this comparison and all of this lifestyle pieces. We look at other people's lives and what they're doing, or other people look at our lives. Are we good enough? That's what it's done. And it starts early now. Because kids are on social media, they're on Insta, they're on Snap, they're on all, you know, TikTok, and they're looking at all of this. And th- that comparison starts really early. And it's really, I think it is actually impacting and then certainly impacts us as we get into adulthood, just comparing and comparing and comparing and getting lost in that and not looking at ourselves to say, I'm enough, I'm good enough, I'm unique. You know, that kind of, those affirmations get lost because all we're doing is putting ourselves and looking at others. And there's really becomes no there there for ourselves. Yes. And, you know, it's a paradoxical aspect because when we are looking for love and to please others and for the attention, we lose it. And when we dare to bring ourselves fully and be present, people want to be with us because we are really unique. So it's interesting. What is the main challenge that people that you're working with handling? According to bringing their own voice, to daring to bring their voice, finding their voice. What do you see there? Yeah. So I, you know, the main challenge that I work with, with folks in the corporate world and outside of the corporate world, because I I work with folks in, in all kinds of realms of life. It's sort of, what do I want to contribute to the world? And why would my contribution matter? There's a two-parter there around what is it that I want to contribute and add value to? It kind of goes back to my story about, I knew I had a message inside. I didn't quite know what it was. And then why would that message matter? How am I going to impact people with that? It doesn't really matter where you do this. It can be in a work. It could be in a relationship. It could be as a, as a parent, it could be in school. So it's not about what's my next job or my next position, or if I get to that role, I can impact so many people. It's nothing to do with that. It really is finding sort of your inner worth, as you said earlier. And then what are you going to do with it? So I always look at it. It's like, it's wonderful to find what you're meant to do and who you are and to find your voice. Then, 
and the second part of my next book, you should be how to use your voice as a leader. Absolutely. Um, because, yeah, so it's not just about finding it. It's how do you use it with impact? How do you, I love the word deliberate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's how do you be deliberate with yourself, with your life, with your voice, so you actually have the impact you are looking for and you can inspire others. That's what I work with with folks. And because to your point, what you said earlier, they're kind of lost. We get lost in this sea of everything going on and we lose ourselves in that. And we end up hitching our boat to another boat in the sea and we just go with them. We go with that flow, but it's not ours. So you say that feeling like a fake or a fraud is actually a positive sign of growth and containment. Can you explain it? Absolutely. That's, that's, I love, you know, I, I try to live a life of inspired action versus forced action. I look at myself and I say, am I inspired to do these different things? You know, and, and, and if I am, then I'm in, I'm in alignment with myself. I'm in alignment with my voice. Forced action is where you just feel like, oh, I've got to do this again. You know, how many hours do I have to spend on this? So I look at, I look at try to, trying to author my life with a lot of inspired action. So when it comes to imposter syndrome, And we have these voices that come in our heads around, oh, you're a fake. Oh, you're a fraud. That can easily bring us down. That can easily bring us into this whole forced action of, okay, I don't like what I'm hearing. I'm going to stay here. I don't like what I'm feeling. I'm inadequate. So what I did is I live with imposter syndrome. I've had it for probably most of my life. It's just part of what I am and who I am. I decided I'm going to make it work for me. So I looked at it as every time I hear that voice that says I'm a fake or a fraud or you're not good enough or whatever the voice might be, I'm like, yes, this means I'm stepping out of my comfort zone. This means I'm doing something new. This means I'm challenging my own self around this. And my imposters are triggered. The voice Mm -hmm. is triggered. And what happens is it's telling you, oh, stay where you are. Mm -hmm. Stay in your fixed mindset stay in your comfort zone. So I celebrate it now when I hear that voice in my head Uh and I celebrate it to say, Paul, you're doing something new here. You're trying something else out. And again, it goes back to what we said earlier. I'm okay with failing. I'm okay with making mistakes because that's all part of my research and development. That's all part of my learning. But if I don't try, if I don't see what will happen, I'm going to just stay in my comfort zone and that's not where I want to be. So that's why I celebrate imposter syndrome. It, you know, life can be hard enough. I don't want to have to overcome stuff. You search imposter syndrome and it's overcome imposter syndrome and, and challenge imposter syndrome. Like, oh, I just get tired reading that. I just like celebrate it and then make it work for you. And that's what I work with a lot of folks in, in terms of their lives and whether it be imposter syndrome or just other things they have around not trusting themselves, not having confidence in themselves, but looking for what inspires you and how do you light that up and, and celebrating that. So I think it's amazing to acknowledge it and to see it as a sign for ourselves for getting forward, right? Getting out of our comfort zone. And at the same time, I think it arises within us also a lot of unpleasant feelings like fear and anxiety. So I think we need also to work with our mind, but also with our heart and our emotions that arises within us and even give it place and say, okay, I see that part of me now is scared. That's okay, I'm with you. How can I be with this part and understand that 
the part that is feeling scared, it's not my identity. It's not Karen is scared. No, a part of me is scared. A part of me is excited. A part of me is curious. And then we can give place to the emotion. And then it's a transformative experience because I think it's not enough to walk without hands. What do you think about it? Because I know you walk with people and create transformation in their lives. So I think it's a crucial yeah. element. Yeah, you said actually a lot of insightful things there. But the one is awareness. That's what you're talking about, is become aware of it and then make a deliberate decision what to do with it. So it's not just awareness for awareness sake. And that's the thinking about it that you said at the end there. It's not just that. That is a big step for a lot of people, that bringing that self-awareness in into what's happening right now. Oh, I'm feeling this. I'm feeling like a failure. That's what's happening. To be aware of that feeling. Mm -hmm. Then make a deliberate decision to do something about that. And it could be just to be aware of that feeling, thank it, and let it go. It could be to be aware of that feeling, to thank it, and then to do an actual step around it and to continue on. But the key is, it's not just thinking, it's then action around that thought. Because, you know, there was um, the National Science Foundation in 2005, which, you know, I don't know where the years go. That just sounds like a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago. I'm like, wow, 2005. Okay. They did a study in 2005. So it's about 15, 16 years ago. And they found that the average person, the average adult has anywhere from 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day that we process. Now, those numbers to me don't mean, I mean, you might as well say 100 to 500 because 12,000 to 60,000, that's kind of a widespread, but I can't even, I don't even know what 12,000 is or 60,000. Yeah. But they also said that up to 80% of those thoughts have a negative bias. It's the what ifs, it's that negativity piece. And up to 90% of those thoughts are from the day before. So we carry our legacy of thoughts with us. You know, we carry them like a heavy, like a burden. And, you know, when you read that and you think about it for a minute, and again, I think about those thoughts, about those thoughts, right? It makes a lot of sense because all we're doing is we're just processing things over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. And so when you look at your thoughts, you know, we you know, I've gone through many, many kind of um, plans in my life where I've, you know, exercise or nutrition, and you write down your foods that you eat each day, your nutritionist or your dietitian will write down all your foods each day, and you see where your intake is coming from. Well, what if we did that with our thoughts? What if we wrote down all of our thoughts each day? And we would see that many of our thoughts are tend to have a negative bias, Oh, what if, or that, 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 because our judge comes into play. And our thoughts come from the day before. So what I would try to do, and, and why I do this with myself, is you have a clean slate and you're not going to get rid of all of those thoughts, but you begin to be very deliberate with what you're thinking. Because mm-hmm. it's so easy when you're thinking about doing something new, that your imposter just comes in and says that it's easy then to say, oh yeah, you're right. I'm not going to do that. And there, there's a thought right there that's negativity. And there's a thought saying, oh, you can't do that, Paul, because you never were able to do that, you know, last week or last year or when you were a kid. There's the past coming back. And so I try, I work with myself on this and I work with my clients around having a clean slate of thoughts around that, creating a new outcome for the thought and then taking action on that. And that's the whole piece about 
about it's not just thoughts and action it's the combination of those two so it's the being and doing together it's being present with what you feel and what arises within you and then walking with it and deciding how to take action and what's the right action to do in order to so it's pausing listening to ourselves accurating fine-tuning thoughts are away and continue on what are you looking for i see you i yeah right when you said that you said the word to me and you said the word present uh-huh. you know we might have said it throughout the you know we might have said it earlier but when you said it right then it just hit me because i looked up at my bookshelf and i looked at eckhart tolle's book a new earth amazing right? amazing and he, that's all he talks about is how are we being how are we being in the present and it was interesting i smiled too because I bought that book when it first came out, which was, I think, in the 90s. And Oprah had it as her book club thing. So it was like a big thing. And da, 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 da. And I remember, Karen, I opened the book and I was like, I don't, I don't, this doesn't make sense. And I put it away. Really? I didn't read it because it was like, yeah, well, yeah, I didn't like, I can't understand this. This was in the 90s, right? Wow. I now picked the book up a few years ago because I was ready for it. It, I was ready to enter it. It was ready to enter me, so to speak. I was available to it. And when I read the book and then I listened to, he had hit some podcasts around it as well. It was like, oh my gosh, it was transformative for me. But it shows you in life where we are. And sometimes we may not be available for something. We may not be approachable. So I, I love that because when you said present, I just looked up at that book because it just reminded me not just how rich the content is, but what it taught me about myself and when I was ready to hear that message. Because I wasn't ready when the book came out. When the book came out, I just followed everyone else and bought the book. Everyone's buying this book. I'm just, I better get this book. I don't know what it's about. And I started reading. I was like, I can't make heads or tails about this. There's no characters. I don't know what's going on. Put it away. And it was, I was ready for it when I was ready for it. And I kept the book as well. And now it is transformative for me. So it's a wonderful. When you said present, it just brought that back to me. A great story. I think it's really important what you said, because we can be in a situation that we are not ready for it. So we won't see it, right? And a year afterward, we'll be there and we'll see everything and we'll see the opportunity. So in order to live fully and to see the opportunities, we need to make space you know, and closing the circle that we started because when you talked about finding your voice, it reflected to you that you created space. And I think we need to create space outside and inside ourselves in order to enable our voice to emerge. Absolutely. You know, you and Amy Dern on your earlier episode talked about compassionate listening, right? And we don't do that. Listening is creating space and it's creating space for others. It's a gift for others. You know, the late Stephen Covey said, we don't listen to understand. We listen to reply. Mm-hmm. And I, I've been doing it on this, on, this, on this podcast with you. I own it. You know, you've been saying something. It was like, oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I get excited. But we need to create that space. And we need to be aware of that space as well. And I think that's the brilliance of, of what we can do. And the world, we live in a colorful, vibrant world. And we can, you know, it is so much for us, but the world doesn't always create space. The world just piles on and piles on and piles on. We have to create that space. And yeah, I think that's a remarkable statement of yours and and one that is an incredible anchor in terms of our own self-fulfillment and 
and building confidence in ourselves. Great, I appreciate it. So Paul, I can continue for hours to speak with you because you know, I like your energy and your insight. But before we wrap up, I want to ask you if there's anything I didn't ask you, although you gave a lot of tips to people who do want to start connecting to the voice, if there's anything else that you think it's important to acknowledge. Yeah, I think, you know, in today's world, there's so many so many ways in which people can improve themselves. I get just I'm sure like you and I'm sure like a lot of a lot of your wonderful audience and listeners, I'm sure we get bombarded every day with emails about this product or this process or this program. I can make you a six figure, seven figure overnight, you know, and all these things. And I think what we need to do is take a step back. And in order to really, truly find who we are, kind of that authenticity, that genuineness, to take a step back and to understand, we sometimes go out with this feeling of, I want to change the world. I want to, I want to, I got to go out and and do this. I want to, I'm called to action. We use those terms a lot. Organizations use that term all the time. (laughs) And I like to say that, you know, my job is not to change the world. My job is to change myself. So our world will change. And in order to change myself, I need to figure out what that is and to take the baby steps around that. The voice, you know, the voice model came up for me from the stories that I've been telling you today. And it stands for discovering your values, establishing your outcomes, demonstrating your influence, revealing your courage, and then creating your lasting expression with the world. That's what the voice comes to. And I that's what I've done in my life. And that's what I try to do with others, but it takes little steps over any amount of time. It doesn't have to be done overnight, over a week. It could be years. We're self-evolving. That's the beauty of of our lives. We just reveal ourselves as we go along. So that's, that's kind of what I, how I live my life. I love it. And yes, we're on a path on a journey, right? It doesn't finish till it finished, right? (laughs) Till it finishes. Yeah. And who knows when it finishes, but, but to make sure that every, you live each day as if you're finishing and you're, you're content with that. And no, look, your, net, your story continues tomorrow. And what is that? But we don't live that way. We live so much in the future. And going back to the, the new earth and the book and your word present, be present today. That's all we have is this moment right now. So conclude what you say is Mahatma Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. This is actually exactly. what you're helping people to do, right? Exactly. Absolutely. It's a beautiful, beautiful quote. More than a quote, it's a way of life. It brings out, be that change. But when I ask that of people, sometimes they just are stopped and it's like they don't even know quite what that change is. So it's mm-hmm. identifying what that is and it starts with us. It starts Amazing. With us. So Paul, if people want you to help them find the voice and create the change, how can they reach you? Oh, sure. So um, they can, my website is paulnlarson.com. I love to, um, some of your other guests say the same thing. Um, I love to connect on LinkedIn because LinkedIn is a, is a platform that allows for a little bit more, I think, genuine connections. So I yeah. love LinkedIn. You can find me there, Paul and Larson, and then they can shoot me an email. I'm happy to talk to people and I'm always available and approachable and they can find me at paul at paulnlarson.com. So whatever way, whatever the way they want. Great. So Paul, thank you very much. I really enjoyed the conversation. I love your energy and continue bringing it to the world it's needed. Oh, Karen, thank you. This is an honor. And I was so excited to get your invite. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for what you do for the world because 
your podcast helps people to do exactly what we're talking about, and that is change themselves. Thank you very much. This was Paul and Larson. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. You're invited to subscribe to our podcast in order to know when we upload a new episode. You can follow us on social media. Until next time, take care and bye-bye.